This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Welcome to Mom and Mind, where we dive into all aspects of perinatal mental health and wellness related to pregnancy, birth, loss, postpartum, and new parenthood. It's so much more than postpartum depression. We raise the volume on all of these topics in the hopes that someday everyone will have the support and info that they deserve before they need it. Please note this podcast is not a replacement for treatment by a professional or professional training. Welcome to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. For those of you who've been listening to the podcast for the past however many years, four or so, you know that there's such variation in the stories that you hear on the podcast. Everyone is sharing their personal perspective, their personal journeys. But what you also know is that there are so many similarities. It's pretty amazing how different and how similar people's stories can be. The one thing that binds us all together on this journey is the path from suffering and sometimes unknowing suffering, meaning we did not know what was about to hit us, through finding our way and getting to healing. And even on that, everyone's journey is very different. In our episode today, we are going to hear from Lila Tawala. She is an author and poet. She journaled her bouts with pregnancy, anxiety, postpartum depression, and preeclampsia in a memoir, Storm of Hope, God, Preeclampsia, Depression, and Me, as a way of healing. She's going to walk us through her story of preeclampsia, depression, anxiety, having babies in the NICU, and postpartum depression. She wants people to know that you're never really alone, not in the NICU, and especially in the prayer and bargaining trenches. She's a Filipino mom living in Texas, and she really wants to know that more Asian mamas need to know that they can talk about mental health and not have to feel like it's a taboo thing. She says depression is real and culturally wanting to address postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety so that more people can know that help is available. Lila is a mental health advocate and part of 2020 Mom as an ambassador. She's currently volunteering as a peer support provider for organizations such as International Association of Premenstrual Disorders, and PSI. She hopes that by sharing her maternal mental health and birth stories that moms know they are not alone and can get help through postpartum and their PMDD journeys. Let's hear from Lila. Welcome, Lila. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. 
I'm glad that we are able to connect. You have um, a lot of experience in your experience, many different things that you went through and ways that you healed through your journey. And I I think it's so valuable for all of us and listeners, especially who have multiple difficult things that happen in their in their path to parenthood to hear from other people like you uh, so that they know that they're not alone and there's a way through. So thank you for, for bringing that to us today. And I invite you to start wherever you'd like with your personal story. Okay, let's start it. <laughs> In 2012, winter or January of 2012, my doctor had just diagnosed me with preeclampsia. And at the time, I had it was just a blip in my textbooks and nutrition journals and what to say to moms. I worked as a nutritionist. So I counseled prenatal moms a lot. We went over pregnancy and what to expect. Preeclampsia was not one of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in my journey, that was the first time I ever heard it. Um, and, you know, you Google like crazy and you try not to get sucked into it. But Right. Essentially, that's what happened. I got, I got, I think the start of having anxiety over what's going to happen with me, what's going to happen with my baby, what to expect with a premature baby. And of course, fast forward, I ended up having a 31 weeker. She ended up being in the NICU for 46 days. And then when we came home, I thought, oh, like, this is it. We're going to start parenthood right here. Whatever happens, happens. But again, um, I'm a planner uh, by nature. So when I didn't plan out that the anxiety that I had the entire time about having um, a premature baby and all the the things in the NICU, it just started, I guess, just not necessarily fell in my lap, but it just started becoming even more overwhelming as time went on. And I thought, perhaps looking back on it, I I thought, well, that was probably adrenaline working. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you're in that mind space. I have to take care of my baby. I have to pump. I have to do this. I, I still have to go figure out what to do about work. So all of that is compounded. And then about when she turned a year, it just started coming in at once. Oh. And I was like, well, maybe I'm not over this. And throughout that entire time from, I guess, 2012, all the way to when I, when I was pregnant with my second, it just, I didn't necessarily think there was a, a spike like type of nature to my mood, irritable, sad, happy, joyful, grateful. But when I had my son, that's when I noticed throughout that I really wasn't over it. I not only carried that postpartum or pre-pregnancy anxiety with me to my to having pregnancy anxiety with him, mm. it just blew up in a postpartum depression. And then from there, it was just all the feelings that I had thought I was over from right. my traumatic birth with my first, it just came to a head and I just couldn't get out of it fast enough. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. And I think people who ha- have had the experience will know exactly what you're talking about. Right. It's so much. And I think when you're in a kind of survival mode, it's hard to know really how affected you are by something. Right. It's really, really difficult. Yeah, because it's all about, okay, put one foot in front of the other. It's, mm-hmm. um, I have to keep going somehow for, um, you know, my baby, for myself. And then right. when, it, when my son was born, it wasn't like, I mean, again, I, I was working. So I read all the pamphlets. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to see all the signs. Okay, I'm not hurting my kid. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not crying all, all the time. I, I don't think about hurting myself. So I can't have postpartum depression. I, but I'm telling all these moms the signs to look for. And, but in my experience, it was no, I, I wasn't seeing that on myself. Um, mm-hmm. Because they don't really, again, like in the pamphlets, <laughs> they right. don't tell you mm-hmm. about like irritability and rage mm-hmm. and numbing and kind of stepping back outside of yourself and not really like just going through the motion. They don't. So I think I was on autopilot for a long time and it just, you know, my engine broke down. Oh, sure. Um, <laughs> this podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So you had your first, was born, you said at 31 weeks, and she spent some time in the NICU. And during that time, I imagine that was like survival mode time Mm -hmm. and whatnot, and then bringing her home and, and whatnot. And so by the time you had your second pregnancy, there was a lot of anxiety. And what was that like leading up to birth? I definitely a lot of anxiety. And then at 26 weeks, I felt like a ticking time bomb. Um, even though at that point, my doctor hadn't seen any signs of preeclampsia. So from 26 weeks, 31 weeks, that entire time period, I just felt like I was walking on eggshells. And actually, I... I ended up writing goodbye letters to my daughter oh. in between those time periods because I, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, it's okay. I'm sorry. I didn't know if I was going to make it. Right. That's real. So That's a real fear. Yeah. Because you do read about how much worse preeclampsia can get. And then again, my like, the anxiety kept putting into this fear that, oh, you got lucky the first time. Mm. This is what's supposed to happen the second time. Oh. Gosh, that's so hard. <laughs> you know, so that happened. And then at 34 weeks and some change, I woke up. I had almost all god awful headache. I started throwing up. And I just oh, knew, no. you know, you just know. I think if you've been through it before, uh-huh, yeah. you know the signs and what to look for. So I just, I knew I'm going to have my baby today. Right. So I, <laughs> my stubborn self 
drove to work, told my boss I may not be coming in tomorrow, but I'm just, I stopped by on my way to the hospital. And but just to let you know, right. I got to go home. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I called my doctor and went back to the hospital. I was triaged that evening and they told me, yeah, we're going to have your baby in, at eight o'clock in this, tomorrow morning. So I ended up having him. Actually, my husband and I chose not to know the sex of the baby. So that entire time I was like, I think that was also a part of, I don't know if it was my anxiety playing or what was going through my, my head, but mm-hmm. not knowing what the sex of it made me feel a lot better just because mm-hmm. I could say it, baby, you know, I didn't have this is going to be so-and-so, right? you know what I mean? Um, sure. So there yeah. was that separation of whatever happens. I mm-hmm. did not claim this baby. Right. It sounds harsh to say. <laughs> no, but, I mean, it's, I, I appreciate you bringing it in because it's a really common experience for people who've had any kind of, of trauma or loss for that matter in, in their, or grief really in their first pregnancy to be worried about getting connected and attached to a next baby. Yeah. Because it feels like if something bad happens, it's going to be that much harder if you are connected. But at the same time, what I find so amazing is how hard you fight for them. It's like, I don't want to get too connected, but I also have to keep this baby safe. Right. It's like That's such true. a powerful dynamic that, that birthing people have. All right, man, moms. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amazing. amazing. <sighs> but yes, so um, I think at that time I, I was thinking, it was, you know, it's all about my daughter, my daughter this, everything about my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I went to the hospital, I was like, well, whatever this is, it's crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, yep. But so I ended up having a son. Um, he was born at 34 weeks, six days was right before he turned 35 weeks, mm-hmm. or I was going to be 35 weeks, five pounds, mm-hmm. and ended up staying in the NICU for 11 days. And the entire time I kept thinking, great, here's another preeclampsia baby. Here's mm-hmm. another NICU baby. It just, that was where I was at mentally and emotionally at that mm-hmm. you know, at the time that, of course, postpartum depression just <laughs> started come mm-hmm. in on top of all of that. Did you notice postpartum depression? Uh, well, looking back on it, start pretty soon? Um, looking back on it, it probably started a lot sooner than I put a name to it. Sure. I think at that time I was like, okay, but probably started as soon as they wheeled me in for mm. to get to take him out. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't really wasn't able to bond with my son. I wasn't able to have all of these amazing feelings that you're supposed to have with your baby at the very beginning. And then by by the time he was six months, I'm trying to think, I had gone back to work and my, my, um, it was my ex-boss who had told me, you know what, you're not yourself, something's up, mm-hmm. maybe you need to go get help. Mm-hmm. So I went and, start, and um, I started to find postpartum depression. And I, through that, I found PSI, Postpartum Support International. And from there, I don't know what happened. I, I really, I honestly don't know, but I got I connected to um, a bunch of poets. <laughs> I went to a group meeting for, a, they had a group meeting, the postpartum support. I found one closest to me. I went in and 
spoke with a lady and she said, you know, if you're a writer, you should just write about it. And then um, at the same time, the group of poets were going through this poetry thing. So I was like, well, I don't have time to write, but I could probably, (laughs) I could probably write some poetry. So that started to kind of come together. But I did journal from the time I had my, I think I had journaled on and off when I had my first one with my daughter, like how that was going through our, Uh you know, our diagnosis, what NICU was like, and then on and off throughout the year. So wow, it just kind of came together. (laughs) Wow. Into a book about your experiences from, from after your daughter was born through the postpartum period of your son? No, the book touches upon his, like my pregnancy with him and uh-huh. the pregnancy anxiety that's mm-hmm. from there to like the healing part. But yeah, I never put my daughter's story in. Well, I did, but you know, I don't think it was relevant. <laughs> uh-huh. All right. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. I mean, our, our healing comes how it comes and, um, you know, it, it's hard to, when you're in the middle of processing something where you feel so down with postpartum depression, it's it's not until you're out of it that you can see the full scope of everything. Yeah. So what was that like for you to put these experiences down in journal entries and poetry? Um, it was hard, definitely, because I had to work up the feelings and emotions I had when I was having my daughter, when she was in the NICU. So a lot of that, and I had talked to my doctor at some point during that time too. And Mm -hmm. she had mentioned, well, maybe you had, you have some sort of PTSD from the traumatic birth that you just never, you know, you never faced with your Uh daughter that it's just now starting to come to head. And that's probably what you're feeling throughout the entire time. All right. Yeah. Again, that survival mode thing is very powerful. Um, mm-hmm. it, it makes it very hard to notice really what all's going on. So you had two experiences through the NICU with babies in the NICU. What did you, like, how did you cope? How did you get through? I know. I still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Faith, definitely. I prayed a lot and then um, I think writing a lot. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, and my postpartum depression journey, I think I had mentioned I wrote letters, goodbye letters to my daughter. At some point, I just, I not threw them away, but I had this ceremonious, let me cut these letters up because I, I am going to survive. You know, I have two kids. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I just having some sort of sisterhood also helped out a lot. Um, mm-hmm. At that point in time, I was into a lot of I was going through um, preeclampsia, survival pages, uh, social media, and things like that. And having that feedback and support from other moms who were going through the same thing helps tremendously. Right. Oh, that makes me wonder, did, did anyone around you realize what you were going through? Or did it feel like a very internal, a solo, isolating process? It was very much an isolating <laughs> process. It wasn't until I started to speak up, hey, this is what happened to me. My son yeah. is close to a year now. And you probably didn't notice that I wasn't at playdates quite as much or I wasn't all there that I found out through several different of my mom friends that, oh, they went through the same thing too. So it became sort of, wow, I wish I had spoken up a lot more than um, I would have been able to um, get the help sooner. Yeah. Yeah. I totally hear that. It's really it's really hard to, to know once you're 
kind of getting the help and feeling better that you could have felt better sooner. Mm-hmm. It's kind of because it's also like a process of grieving. Like there's it's for some people, it feels like they lost time. In, and, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. You are in that what seven stages of grief. You're angry. You're trying to process and you're in denial. So definitely going through <laughs> my own grieving period. But I think at the same time too, um, so I'm Asian and a lot of what my culture, a Filipino culture deals with is you can handle this yourself. You uh-huh. can pick yourself up, show the world your tough face and keep going. And right. I think a lot of that didn't help in my favor. <laughs> but uh, sure. You know. Hi there. I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I am Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. So was was the feeling like you you couldn't or shouldn't say anything? I think both. I think it was like, oh, I'm weak if I say something, but uh-huh. I'm also I also don't want that pity from people because I can I can do this. I can do this by myself. I think that was what that was one of the reasons I think subconsciously I just didn't want to share my story at the time. Like, yeah. <laughs> I can do this by myself. Don't worry about me. I, eventually I'll figure it out. I, this is just a problem. I looked at it like that. This is just a problem I'm having. Um, I will get this fixed right. somehow. Um, and just everybody else can worry about themselves. <laughs> sure. Right. So as you were figuring out what was going on for you, did you want to talk about it? Or are there people that you did reach out to? to talk to and what was that like? I talked to um, a therapist about it and then the community, um, like my poetry community, the people that I knew I was, my, my story would be safe in, but 
as far as my family or um, anybody else outside of that, friends, they, I didn't really talk about it until I felt I was in a place to talk about it. So it wasn't until he was about a year old, mm-hmm. a year, almost two, that I started to say, hey, this is what was happening, just in case you couldn't figure it out. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, it wasn't when I, I was comfortable. It was when I was comfortable to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I was able to um, definitely the people closest to me. Sure. I, I I just find it fascinating and amazing really how strong people are when they're going through something to, to just kind of power through and get through the day. And then, and sometimes nobody can tell that something's mm-hmm. going on. Um, every once in a while, somebody will say like, oh yeah, I was kind of wondering about X, Y, or Z and you didn't quite seem like yourself sometimes. But the what people see on the outside is is often very different from what's happening internally. Um, right. around all, you know, pregnancy, birth, postpartum. Yeah. Sounds like that was your experience that nobody mm-hmm. around really could tell. Right. And I also think we are so wrapped up in, oh, how's the baby doing? You know, it's all yeah. focused on the baby, which is fine. But we never really take the time to wonder like, hey, how how is mom really doing? Mm-hmm. We don't really even ask that question because again, as moms, we are supposed to power through this and we're supposed to, you know, pick ourselves up and vacuum right after delivery. Uh, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. I think, I think if we took the time now to, I mean, I know I do. I take the time whenever I have friends who just have babies. I just, how are you mom? How are you doing? I'm just checking in. I think that helps a lot. Yeah, it really does. It really does. So it sounds like oh, with all the, the, the healing and work that you've done to get through this, the, the kind of what I assume felt like embarrassment or shame or secrecy around your feelings is, is not something you hold on to as much. Yeah, definitely no. I'm proud of where I've been, even though it was messy to get to where I am today. You know, it's, it's also both my kids' story that yeah. we survived or we went through um, a crazy beginning, but mm-hmm. we're here. Yeah. I'm very grateful for that. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. When you said that, it made me wonder what it was like to, what the process was to feel connected to them because it's, it can, like you were saying with your son, that's hard to get connected when you feel like you're worried. So the, the healing journey sometimes through postpartum depression and anxiety is also figuring out how to feel connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it took a while. Definitely. I think, you know, the beginning, I think for sure my daughter helped me out with, with that bonding with, with my son, because she was just all about baby brother, (laughs) (laughs) you know, in my head, I was, I was wanted to survive and do as much as I can for her. And Mm -hmm. I think it's through her that I ended up connecting with my son. Right. Isn't that amazing? Sometimes healing comes from our kids. It's a powerful connection. Okay. So after going through all of this, you clearly found some ways uh, for healing through writing and journal entries and it sounds like therapy. What was your healing process like and, and what did you find along the way? So along, um, so between the, the poetry community and the preeclampsia community, I found, um, I found premenstrual dysphoric disorder, PMDD group. I think it was a call on social media. I was on Instagram at the time posting poetry mm-hmm. <laughs> and one of their posts said, this is PMDD. Um, we are looking for volunteers, something. So 
in my head, I don't know why, but I jumped on board and I was like, I'll go volunteer for, for, um, for this. Cause I, I would like to help at that point. Um, I would like to try to help others. Um, so along the way, um, I was, I was the social media assistant. So I worked as um, behind the scenes for Instagram, just commenting and trying to get engagement up and they have a different group called for peer support providers, which basically helps other people going through PMDD. And I decided to volunteer on that side. And over there, when I come across so many different people, specifically moms who've gone through postpartum depression, pregnancy, mm-hmm. anxiety, I found my community and my people. Uh, and that's, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's exactly what I wanted to do. So I'm help, you know, helping other people, helping other moms, not necessarily see through the PMDD side of it, but also like in general, these are these feelings that we're having. These are all normal. We're going to get through this together. I think that definitely helps me where I am today. I think it's been over a year. (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. So, right. I I think a bit of what you were saying is like that people who have a PMS or PMDD have a higher likelihood of developing um, perinatal mood or anxiety disorder because of that sensitivity to hormone changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that com- that community in there sounds super important to normalize this. That yeah, that, uh, another way to know that you're not alone. Right, exactly. And I mean, again, through that entire process of listening and hearing other people's stories, you're like, I'm definitely not only normal. <laughs> I'm not alone, and I'm definitely more than enough. And helping other people has been an amazing journey. Oh, wow. That's, that's fantastic. You, you sound uh, so passionate about these topics and I just love your, your journey where in terms of uh, you, you went through a lot and you fought your whole way and now in your ability to embrace that this is what happened and find your connection and strength and, and power through that is really, really amazing. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you again, Lila, for being with us today. For those of you who'd like to connect with Lila, please find her at lilatawala.com. She's on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And thank you all for joining us on the Mom and Mind podcast. Please make sure you're subscribed so that you get all of these episodes. Please do subscribe and share this episode or any of the ones that resonate with you with anybody else who you think could benefit. All of our episodes are very real, some of them very difficult to listen to. But I know from every single person who's ever suffered, they would have rather known about this. They would have rather been educated about these conditions before having to find out the hard way by surprise. Thank you so much for being with us. Until next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Together we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Come connect with us at momandmind.com. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. 
I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. 